Welcome to the Natural Running Network. My name is Richard Diaz, and what I hope to do is introduce you to some amazing athletes and luminaries from the sports science community, and what has come to be expected, I'll provide some highly opinionated rants on all aspects of endurance sports and my current favorite obstacle course racing. Now sit tight, grab a cup of coffee, and let's do this. Okay, so I just climbed off the mountain this past weekend, Lake Tahoe. World Championships for Spartan, and um, man, I mean, it's really difficult to encompass all the emotion and frustration and adulation that occurred over the course of that weekend. If you ever wanted to find out what you're made of, that was the mountain to find out on, because that mountain was angry all weekend, and um, one of my clients that I've been working with for quite a while now. I'm going to be absolutely honest. I did not expect for her to pull this out. She came out, showed her grit, and won the Ultra Beast at Tahoe under the most heinous conditions that I've seen. And I, you know, truth be told, I've only been up there three times. But um, what an amazing, amazing achievement. And before we get into the story, I have Allison with me here. She's going to come on and explain to you guys what it was like for her to get put into that circumstance and her still shaking her head about it. But I wanted to do a quick shout out to one of our new sponsors, which is Vanga Endurance. They're a CBD company out of Colorado. And if you're taking CBDs and you're not taking Vanga, you're blowing it because these guys have water-based zero, zero THC in their product. And I've been using it for a while now, sleeping like a baby, waking up, feeling refreshed. I'm sure it's having a great influence on inflammation. So if you're into that product, I'd check it out. If you decide to do that, I do have a promo code. It's DHP10. Anyway, world, let me introduce you to Allison Haas. Hi, world. (laughs) Thank you. I had to say world because that just kind of opens things up for you. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. It's relevant. So, Allison, can we back up and just, you started training. I mean, I'm going to let you just tell the story. Yeah, for sure. I'm. Uh, it's funny, you were recounting the hellacious weekend we went through, and I just started to get teary-eyed because I was telling you before we started, it just hasn't hit me yet that, that this actually happens. Um, so, backtracking, I am extremely average as far as athletics go. Um, I'm a hard worker, but I'm certainly not going to the Olympics in any discipline. I was a competitive horseback rider and trainer my whole life. I had a horse training business for over eight years, and that was my claim to fame. Um, I then sold my business, got burnout, and did competitive bodybuilding uh, for a couple years, got on stage, won some trophies, to say that that's not a really uh, fun way to pursue fitness would be an understatement. So, you know, I did a warrior dash, um, God, a couple years ago, thought it was super fun, met Spartan, met Tough Mudder, and just, you know, would go and do these races for fun, really, um, but never put it, ne- never was able to pull anything off. Um, and I don't want to say I didn't try. 
Um, you know, I ran an elite heat in the Montana beast a couple years ago. That was my second beast after getting my ass handed to me in New Jersey uh, the year before that. But there was no reason I, I showed up in the elite heat. It was because it sounded cool, right? I mean, I just didn't have good protocol. I didn't know how to train properly. I come from a strength background. So the obstacles, the strength portion weren't terribly difficult, but I didn't have any technique. I certainly wasn't running well in between the obstacles and I could never really run. Um, I could never put <clears throat> too many days, weeks, months together without significant pain or injury. In fact, I was sidelined um, last year and the year prior completely. Um, because I, I couldn't manage to log any miles without pain. Uh, so fast forward a little bit. Last year, I did my first road marathon in November. Again, because a friend's like, hey, you do crazy shit. You want to do this with me? Sure. I went, um, could hardly walk um, during the race by the end, but then after it was over. I mean, I was, I was crippled. I thought for sure my hips were broken. It was, it was an awful, awful experience. Um, I did a, I, you know, then I went through the winter and I did, I, my friend, Jess Parker, who's a client of yours, um, we started talking because we used to work with a, a group prior to meeting you. Um, and I knew she was pretty good at this stuff and, and kept at it and seemed to do so healthily. So she had me read your book, which I did in March of this year and started applying some of the principles. Um, admittedly super frustrating at first, you know, heart rate running sucks if you don't do it. Um, and you think you're not running very hard and your heart tells the story, you know, so I had to slow way down and I felt awful, <laughs> but I did it. Um, and then I ran the Ragnar ultra on a team in, um, March, but you know, that's broken up. It's not 32 miles straight. And then I started to dance with the idea of coming out to see you in California, I live in Baltimore, Maryland, so I'm on the other side of the country, in June, and um, that's exactly what I did, and I felt like a smacked ass the whole time, because, you know, I, I, anything I do, I do with purpose and intention, so I came out, I met you and Lori, um, I learned that nutritionally, I was not doing things as well as I could be, not because I, I, was trying to do anything wrong. I just didn't know any better. I had a nutritionist at the time, but um, I come to find out that it just wasn't right for performance and wasn't right for me. So um, nutritionally, we changed things a lot. Um, we significantly increased my carbs um, and just got more precise in the measurements and following it and, you know, fueling more in training, around training, during training, after training, right? So I was able to keep up with it. And really, Richard, I mean, you, you taught me how to run. Um, I almost couldn't come to the clinic because my one calf hurt so damn bad. I was um, trying to nurse my way with dry needles and PTs and into the clinic. And I came and I kid you not, since June, aside from like a freak fall, I had my knee stitched um, this summer that was unrelated. And then this God awful blister on another foot, I have been able to run without pain. Um, and it is, it is just mind blowing to me. And that's from coming to you in June, seeing and meeting you in person, you watching me run with a Gucci arm and a T-Rex arm and, <laughs> <clears throat> you know, just, just, um, I mean, it changed everything for me and it wasn't easy. You know, I came and I could not run quickly and properly and keep my heart rate down. Like it was like, it was just a neurological mess. And so I would say it took a solid month if not a hair longer when I got home 
of putting it all together, you know, really applying the cadence, the arm swing, the, the forefoot running. Um, and I, you know, we changed my thresholds a little bit cause you tested us, which was enormously helpful. Um, but it took a while. And then of course, you know, I'm in July in Baltimore and it's hot as hell. You know, you walk outside and it's just like the Amazon, the humidity is awful. So I, I just had different things to contest, but I just kept doing what you said. I just, I did every training the way it was outlined for the duration and the, and at the capacity. Um, I kept fueling myself um, and stayed in touch and I'm still in touch with Lori um, as you know, things need to tweak. And, um, you know, once I put it all together, my, my mile times started to drop significantly. Um, I was able to sustain my cadence and pace. And I just, I just kept doing what, what was in front of me. Um, I went to a race in July. It's Palmerton for those on the East Coast. It, it is a, a nasty super. It's only a super, but it's literally, it's like 4,000 feet of elevation in the first couple months. It's crazy. And I didn't go in tapered because I wasn't there to contend. I just wanted to get my hands on some of the new obstacles. And I was tired of shit. And I went in and I still knocked an hour off my time um, just from applying the principles that you taught us. And then I went back to West Virginia and I found that my grip needed a little bit of tweaking. But even with doing a bunch of burpees, I still knocked 30 minutes off my time. Um, And again, within a day or two, was able to run like I wasn't crippled. Um, you know, so coming into the ultra, I was, again, this is something I signed up for well before I even knew your name in, in February. And I was like, beasts are kind of boring now, right? I've run a marathon. I've done over overnight rucks. I've done this ultra Ragnar team thing. Why the hell not? You know, I'm, I'm your classic. It sounds cool. They're enticing. They have great marketing propaganda. Let me do this thing. And, um, as the event was closing in, as I'm going through your program with longer runs, I started to get really nervous. I was like, I don't know if I can do this. I mean, I really, I don't know if I could do this. And there is the physical component, right? Like 31 miles by itself is a feat. Mountain running is a feat. 70 obstacles is a feat. The bitchy weather is a feat. Then you put it all together. I mean, that's an enormous undertaking. And I just was like, I really don't know. And then I also knew how captivating and powerful my mind is. And when I get tired or start to listen to it, how it really just terminates whatever effort I'm trying to produce. And, you know, you'd set out, set us on some longer runs that I really got my ass handed to me. And I was like, wow, if, if I meet any of this out there, I'm really not going to be able to do this. And so I put it out there. I put it out to my support team and my friends and and everybody's of course uplifting. I read a bunch of books. David Gogan's can't hurt me was incredibly helpful. Um, Some other stuff. And I just, in addition to the physical training really started to work on my mindset and um, really hone in the focus and, and staying present and um, working it into my training runs. And I just started to notice, right, when you know it's going to be over, even if it's only an hour or an hour and a half, you start to, you know, wimp out a little bit or slow down or let your cadence go. And I just started to really laser focus on um, my mind and throughout all of these endeavors. And I watched the weather. So I packed everything in my damn closet because we went out on Tuesday to kind of vacation before and it was beautiful. It was in the 70s. On Thursday before the race, we were on Lake Tahoe on paddle boat boards in bikinis. Like, it was nice. And then 
the race came and it was not nice. Um, I mean, it was, it was as bipolar as you can imagine mountain weather to be. Um, I, I am, I do not like cold. I don't like cold water. You know, I was praying for it to snow and close the water. Uh, so I got half of that, right? Yeah. Snow during the race, but they didn't close the fucking water. And, uh, I, I was scared. I was, cause I know I freak out when I'm really cold and I don't do well when I'm cold and I'm wet. But again, I just, I packed appropriately. Um, I, I asked for help. What the hell do I wear? And um, I ended up wearing smart wool. I, I had a T-shirt on and a long sleeve shirt and then a windbreaker and leg mitts and a hat, normal pants. And um, I actually had my jacket off for a lot of the race uh, because I was I was just right. So, you know, we woke up the next morning and um, it, it was like, I don't know, it was in the 30s. It was way colder. And uh I, people kept saying it's a different planet at the top of that mountain. Well, let me tell you, like I almost got blown over by the freaking wind. I mean, it was like as the higher you climbed, things just kept changing. Um, it was it was surreal. And I just, you know, I it's funny because the day before the race started, I was looking around. And, of course, you have the fittest people in the world at this venue. And I'm, I'm, I'm average, right? I, I don't. I look like I train, but I don't look like I'm anything special. And I'm like, I don't fucking fit in here, right? I don't belong here. What am I doing? And um, I just was like, I, I, I'm here now. There's nothing I can do about it. So I'm going to eat my food. I'm going to take it. I'm going to trust my training. And, uh, you know, I showed up in the morning and I had my transition bin packed. This was my first ultra. Um, so, but I, I did enough research. I asked enough questions. I had a second of everything just in case. It's more for mental confidence than anything else and then I had a full I think what I did great here is I had a full second pack ready to go so I literally when I got into transition I just took off my pack and put on the other one and out I went it already had all my fuel in the pocket full electrolyte mix everything was ready and um, you know I went out and from training I, I knew I, I need to fuel every 30 minutes I took my first one in the start corral so I wouldn't get behind and I just went out and I remembered what you said, you know, stay aerobic, uh, let everybody run ahead in the beginning and you'll pass them at the end. And so that's exactly what I did. I, I knew it was a long race. I kept my head down. Um, I never saw another ultra woman. And I had no, I did not know that meant that I was in first. Honest to God, I had no idea that I was leading the pack. Even when they put the fucking leader bib on me, I didn't know that I was winning. I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, what does this mean? I'm like top five. <laughs> <laughs> like, I really had no idea. Um, and so I just I kept my head down and I warm up really slow. And then you add in the cold and the dark. We started at 615. My legs felt like shit for like four miles because they were just cold. Um, they were they felt like concrete. But I would say by the time we got to our ultra loop, which was another three miles, we had a sandbag carry for most of it. You put that in a plate at the top of the mountain, dragged the plate back and forth, took the sandbag, carried it back down, then did this hellacious log carry, farmer's carry, then had a nice little run um, before they put us in the water. And so I'd say during that loop is when I started to feel all my parts come back to me. Um, and I felt pretty good. And I just, again, I just kept my head down and I just... I, I've never been that present um, for an for an effort ever in my life. Um, but I was so scared that my mind was going to ruin this experience and my opportunity here not to win. Right. Like I had said, I'll, I would love top 10. I would love to prove myself to Richard and get on the podium. Right. I'll take third. I'll take fifth. 
Um, but that was never, that wasn't in my mind. I just laser focused on do not stop. Whatever you do, don't stop. Even if you're walking and you're crawling on your hands and knees, don't stop. So every carry, I didn't put one down. I think I had six carries and I just kept marching. I didn't stop. People were stopping. They were laying down. And that's the kiss of death with that. Stuff. Oh, yeah. The second you slow down and put it down, you're, it's, you're done. it's awful. Yeah. And so I just, I, I highlighted in my mind, pain is temporary. You know, all the training and all the carries, I knew I could handle it. And it was like, the faster you get up this damn climb, the faster it's over. And so I just kept moving. And I wasn't flying. I mean, I know I'm sure people in the ultras were flying, but I wasn't flying. I just kept moving with purpose. And uh, I just kept going. Um, I did a bunch of burpees, but same thing with burpees. I just, I didn't stop between reps to catch my breath. I just did one, one at a time. Um, and I, I just kept motoring. The only thing I used my watch for was to eat. So I, it was tracking me, but you know, I'd look down, I knew I had three minutes to eat. I was six minutes late. I was, I had 10 minutes, whatever. And regardless of how I felt, I shoved fuel in my mouth. Um, I kept drinking. I actually had to pee myself twice, <laughs> um, which was a new thing, but I'm like, Hey, again, I'm out here all day. I'm not stopping. And, um, you know, I, I just kept my head down all the way down the hill. Um, I used what you've taught us, you know, short, choppy steps. I'm not great at, as a descender. This was really technical. There were a shit ton of rocks. I fell on my butt once coming down the final climb on the other side on the first loop because it was so slippery. But, you know, I, I just kept going. Um, I committed to myself at the beginning. I'm not going to be mean to myself if I fail an obstacle. So did whoever's next to me doing burpees, just do your burpees and move on. And um, that helped me a lot because a lot of times, you know, say you miss your spear in the beginning, you get down on yourself, you get negative, you start beating yourself up. And the next thing you know, you're being passed by everybody. Um, so if anything happened, I just did burpees and moved on. Like it, I just, I just didn't hang on to it. And, um, you know, some of the other obstacles, I'm short, I'm not even five foot four. So like the box and stairway to Sparta are really hard for me. I got them both. Um, and that just was really encouraging. You know, I nailed my spear the first lap again, really motivating, but I didn't stay stuck on it. I just moved on to the next thing. Um, ape hanger, there was a penalty loop. And because, um, I'm not always one to get through all that high hanging stuff, I figured, and I was really scared because the ape hanger water was actually colder. I didn't know it yet. Colder. Um, I was really scared that if I came down, I'd get submerged and like game over. So I just went in, marched through, got out and, and ran through the, the low crawl um, to preserve my head from getting wet. And then for the swim, oh God, I mean, I just, I just ran in. Uh, I didn't, I had my jacket on. Um, I put on the life jacket and I just, I wasn't going to waste time taking clothes off also because I, I thought I'd puss out if I didn't just get in there. So I literally just marched right in and started swimming. Uh, some poor soul in front of me, he couldn't swim very well. He was taking a sweet ass time. I thought about drowning him, but that's not very <laughs> Spartan like. Um, I had to take the wide path around him and the, the little tube or whatever that tells you to turn around. And I started to freak out a little bit because the life jacket is, it's not helpful. I understand we have to wear it, but like it pretty much chokes you and comes up around your throat while you're in the water. And I had my pack on. So you know, I started to freak out a little bit on my my path back because the life jacket was up around my throat, and I was very aware that my legs were not doing anything. So 
you know, I just, again, I was like, just keep going, just keep going. Side stroke. I had blood mitts on, used these as paddles. I got to the wood. I didn't stop. I just took it off. And I think I talked to myself out loud for the next couple minutes because it was so cold, but I immediately started running and I just didn't stop. And I think then we just came all the way back down the mountain and I just out loud was like, you're okay. You're okay. You're okay. You're okay. And I just kept going. Um, I got a question for you. The swim. Yeah. When you were in the water with your mittens on, did your hands get cold or did your hands get wet? Yes, wet, no cold. Okay. Um, so they were wet, um, but they were not cold. So when I got to the next couple obstacles, I just pulled my hands out and found some dirt and rubbed them all in the dirt. But they were at least protected from the, the wind when I got out. Of so the I, guess, I guess the question is, if you had taken the time to take your gloves off and put them in a package or something like that and kept, kept them dry, do you think that would have been better? Or do you think just muscling through it was a better way to do it? I mean, the way I did it worked, so I'm going to just go with that. Okay. Um, I, I just, again, the time it takes to put stuff in packs, I, I just was like, just get in here. Just get in here and do it. That's a killer for a lot of people is that just transitioning, getting the jacket off, putting it in a plastic bag. And, you know, a lot of people, they're starting oh, yeah. to struggle with the, how they're going to package whatever they took off. And turns out that fails. And then everything that they packaged ended up getting wet anyway. And so it's just a a curiosity. Yeah. And I mean, I was dry by the time I got down, you know, I could tell I was wet, but eventually I I wasn't. How many people while you were up on the mountain, would you say that you saw quit and get pulled down off the mountain? Um, I, uh, it's hard to say because I was in the front of the ultras, which I didn't really know. And then when I came back around the open beast, people were there. So they, they honestly just weren't doing it. So um, I didn't see as many people pulled off as I did just not doing stuff or act. I mean, honestly, people were crying um, and huddling together. So I don't know if they got escorted off the mountain or not. But I mean, there were a shit ton that weren't doing stuff. Um, which, so they're just you know, passing the, the obstacles. The open and... wave. Yeah, yeah. Um, and honestly, I mean, so it, it that was before it snowed. But then when it started to snow, it also brought in a lightning storm. So facing my biggest fears, cold water and lightning. <laughs> I mean, that the lightning struck the mountain while I was on it. I mean, I was, people, women were crying next to me. We were all kind of like, like, what do we do? And, and eventually it stopped. But that, that was terrifying. That was absolutely terrifying. Well, that they, was, they evacuated crazy. people from one of the pavilions in the village during that storm because of the danger of the storm and the lightning and what have you. Yeah, I heard them escort, you know, saying that to spectators. And I'm like, well, what about me? Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, what, what about us out here? You know, what do we do? So uh, it obviously worked out fine. But, yeah, that was really scary. I mean, that was, that was really, really scary. So, I mean, I know everybody's got an opinion and they had to shorten the course and shut it down and people didn't deserve a finisher medal. And it's like, listen, that shit was crazy. No one could control it. Safety needs to come first. And, and you could, I don't think they could have done anything differently. Mind you, I, I'm not trying to get political with this, but I, I just, I'm one to err towards caution rather than damn the torpedoes. Listen, if you were a Navy SEAL going into battle or preparing to get into battle, then the stake in the game is different. 
but recreational athletes going into harm's way into mm -hmm. freezing water at 9,000 feet of elevation with 20 degree temperatures and 30, 40 mile an hour winds and hail, it's just not a great idea to subject people to getting wet. I would have, even if it was the day before, and if I had any kind of premonition that there was a chance that the temperatures were going to drop like that in the snow and the cold, I would have shut down the water events and uh, let people yeah. run, run the course. I mean, beat the hell out of people with the course, but just don't subject them to yep. things that they can't control. I mean, when you freeze, you put yourself in jeopardy. And it's just... The, the payday for it is just not significant. It's not, I mean, even if you're going to win it and you're going to, you know, take home, well, in your case, not a ton of money, but, it, you know, the uh, the beast, you know, you make 20 grand. Yeah, all right. So these guys are, uh, if they know they're in it and they got a shot to win it, maybe they'll take that risk. But there's a limit to what I think is reasonable. And, uh, you know, call me a puss if you want to. I just... I would not put, I would not put my athletes through that. If I was putting guys through, and, and mind you, I I have put on events. I put on professional events. I put on the first professional triathlon for CBS Sports in 1984, and we looked at ocean conditions and what the risk is is putting people in the water when the waves were high, chance of drowning, and I always weighed it. And I thought, you know, okay, this is a championship event. Uh, okay, maybe. But, you know, before I put people through that, I swam it first. You know, Hanalei Bay, oh. the, the wow. surf was breaking 20 feet on the outside, 10 feet in the middle, and 6 feet on the inside. And there was a current and a, and a riptide. And uh, I remember standing on the beach with the uh, producers for CBS Sports, and they said, what do you think, Richard? Can we put people in the water? I said, geez, I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of rough. They said, well, swim it. <laughs> and, I, and I thought, well, oh, okay. So I did it. And I mean, it scared the hell out of me, but I got through it. And then we made the judgment call. But, you know, I think what ought to happen is the guys that are standing back there making the decision whether they're going to put mm -hmm. people in the water or not, they should run up the mountain and jump in that lake and see how it feels. Brilliant. Yeah. There's no better way to assess how does, how is this wise or not? Yeah. It's one thing to point and look and say, yeah, it's fine. But yeah. Yeah. You're going to be okay. Well, I, yeah. I understand the math was that the collective temperature between the air and the water needed to be at least 80. So if the water's 40 and the air is 40, go time. Um, right. You know what I mean? But And, and I, honestly, I don't think, and I can't say, I have, I'm not, you know, I might be com completely wrong about this, but I got a feeling it didn't make those numbers. Well, and then account for the wind. I mean, that, it was, it was Chill factor crazy. was 16 degrees. Yeah, I mean, the, and it got colder for us as the day went on. It was actually warmer in the morning and in like the middle of the morning than it was on the second lap. I noticed that significant. I noticed a significant change, and I got in the ape hanger again, and I was like, "Oh shit, <laughs> this is really cold." Um, they did close the junk wall from the beginning. That was smart because you had to get your head wet. There was ice in it. I mean, that that would have. Oh my God. I, I couldn't have imagined. Um, and they did, I will say they had the swim closed. I was approaching the swim a second time, truthfully with tears in my eyes. Like I was going to do it, but I was like, I don't know if I can do this again. I mean, I, I did it great the first time I kept going, but it freaked me out so bad. Um, and as I was approaching the volunteer said, Hey, it's closed. You don't have to do it again. I hugged the dude. 
I was like, I'd make out with you, but my boyfriend wouldn't appreciate that. Like, I'm just, thank you. And I just went running down the mountain. Um, but yeah, it, it was wild. You know, the snow, the lightning, the obstacles. Um, and, and I, I just never, I just never wavered from do what's here right now and don't stop moving, you know, run every flat, every downhill, Um, and I just maintained my pace, whatever it was, I ran the inclines that I could, but I didn't kill myself if I needed to speed hike, which there were plenty of opportunities to do that. Um, and I just, I just kept swinging away, you know? So Um, let's talk logistics about the training. Yeah. Now you participated in a training program that I put together that was designed to prepare people for Tahoe and, it was really designed to prepare people for the beast, not so much for the ultra. We made mm-hmm. a few modifications here and there for you, and I think there was somebody else that was planning to go along in the event as well. But um, what do you figure your peak volume in running in a week looked like? Peak, I hit in the 50s. Okay. Um, I would say on average, once I got it all together, I was in the 40s. Okay. High 30s to 40s. And then I, I peaked in the 50s. Okay, week. so I'm baiting you for the question I have here. Mm-hmm. Now, knowing what you know now, and you know, you're sitting down over a beer with some friends and they're talking to you about this and they're <laughs> thinking about doing this, and they ask you, how much running do you think I need to be doing weekly in order to prepare for this type of an event? What would be your answer? Oh, I'd say I didn't even do enough. Um, I would say fifties to sixties, which, you know, we're getting ready for your next program. And I imagine that's what we're going to see, if not more, because, um, I mean, that's the most I've ever ran in my whole life. And obviously it worked out fine, but my legs were tired, you know? So I can only imagine, you know, you, you have to condition yourself to be ready for the long haul. And it's not with one long run on the weekend. That's what I used to do. And then I'd be crippled. But when you run consistently all the time, correctly, so you're not injured, uh, your legs and body get primed for that conditioning, and and you are ready for the undertaking. So, I mean, I would say at least in the 40s and 50s and more. One of my clients, I well, I think you met her at my clinic, uh, Rebecca Rose. She wasn't in that last program, but she was at my last clinic. Long-haired girl. She was the girl that had like she's she's got like six kids, right? Do you remember this? Oh wow! <laughs> well, let me just tell the story real quickly. Rebecca is an attorney full time, and big caseloads, so she's working a lot. You know, depositions and court cases and what have you. She's working a lot. Six kids at home, and she was preparing for the ultra. She was at Tahoe. She looked at the water and made the judgment call not to get in. She's got issues with cold and uh, she was having some issue, some health issues going in and made the call not to continue. She was running an average of 60 to 70 miles every week for the past, oh, I want to say three months, three, four months, Mm -hmm. something like that, because she's also been doing a lot of trail racing. I pegged her to win the race. I figured... She does this race, she's winning this race because 
Aside mm-hmm. from the fact that she was well prepared, she was she's pretty fast. She can she can hold a she's actually a track coach for a high school, has been forever and ran I think she ran the, the fifteen hundred in, in college and she she's a runner. I mean she had good good pedigree and we put in a buttload of training and she was really fit and prepared for this race. And we were going to do the beast, and I said, "No, nah, let's do the ultra. I think you're you're just better at the long stuff. You know, you suffer well, mm-hmm. um, but she <laughs> she just does not handle cold. As a matter of fact, she got pulled last year uh, with hypothermia, and she still has mm. numbness in her hand from the hypothermia from the previous year. Oh my year. god! So she was not going to get back in that water, and she was pretty bummed out. She had her seven year old girl with her at the event, oh. and her daughter was so so bummed out mom you quit why did you quit mom and she goes uh she was destroyed but she said you know judgment call i got six kids at home you know i can't take these kind of chances with my life in this Mm -hmm. circumstance because it's dangerous for me and she she bailed but anyway i'm I'm ranting but the point i wanted to get across was that the the thing that you kind of touched on and i just want to labor on it a little bit is that the problem with most people incapable of getting the volume that they, they need to prepare for these type of events is that they don't identify with how to run properly in which case when they try to put the volume in they they hurt themselves and they keep running into this barrier and for most people it tends to be about 30 40 miles before they break down and then have to take a few weeks off and then try to roll back up into volume again and they break down again. And they keep running into this barrier, which is the limitation of the corruption that they're putting into their body when they crash. And so I think the advantage, you know, just being a fly on the wall, let's call it an educated fly on the wall, because you took the time, you did the due diligence to to make the corrections and learn how to better prepare for this type of thing, you got through it unscathed. I mean, did you run since you've been home? Uh, I haven't, but I could. Yeah. I mean, I, um, I'm i more just like enjoying, because this is my busy time at work too. I came back and went to work Monday morning and I'm just like, fine. My shoulders hurt from from hanging and carrying and burping, but uh, my legs are fine. In fact, I saw a PT last night and she's like in shock that I just did what I did and I'm fine. I did a bike ride yesterday. But yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm just kind of chilling, taking a deep breath, but I, I am not, I'm not hurting, which is granted the first two days I flew back Sunday. So that is, that doesn't count. Uh, my quads were wrecked on Monday from all the downhills, but I mean, I'm totally sound. I don't even have a blister on a foot. Just amazing. Yeah. Well, that makes a difference, doesn't it? Uh, Yeah. Because I had a few of those when I was trying to figure it out. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I really, I can say with confidence that I, I, I would totally be able to run. I'm just, uh, you know, I know we're gearing up for an, a heavy off-season running program, which I'm stoked about. I'm just trying to give my, I don't think I've taken more than two days off all year. So, well, when, when you, you know, define heavy, I, I'm, there's going to be a lot of work, but it's going to be progressive. It's not, you're not going to jump straight right. into battle. It's going to be almost, you're going to, I'll get complaints from people feeling like it's not enough. And then eventually it'll start to pick up and, you know, never, never try to assume what I'm thinking. That's a really bad, bad idea. <laughs> but um, you'll find that the volume will start to pick up and, and I'll be watching how things are going. And it's 20 weeks. I mean, there's a lot of time yep. to, to prepare. I can generally take yep. somebody from scratch and have them do well in a marathon inside of about 20 weeks. 
we're going to go to 50 kilometers, so it's an ultra. But I, I think that everybody that does it, that follows the prescription, is going to do really well. And more importantly, this is not really like, to me, it's not like a goal event. It's preparation. It's like backing mm. off a lot of the things that hurt you, conditioning your body to come into the season prepared to deal with what's to come. And believe me when I tell you, when you're confident and comfortable throwing down 50 kilometers going into the season, then you focus on your strength a little bit, get your grip organized, and you're going to be surprised at how well you're going to do, regardless of what the distance of the event is, early on in the season. And uh, some might think, well, that's a lot of work to do on the offseason. I, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. Mm -mm. I mean, I, I think that it just depends on how you approach it is really what's going on. And I'll tell you something else since you asked. <laughs> the, thing, <laughs> the thing that we're going to do, you've not seen yet. Mm. And the people that have trained with me, I'm talking about people that I have, my private clients, they have not yet experienced what you guys are about to experience. Again, when you start to think you know what I'm thinking, that's where you start getting into trouble. Because... Yeah, yeah. Embarrassing... No. Well, and what I will... Go ahead. I was going to say, embarrassingly, uh, this book that I've been talking about and playing with and mentally destroying me for the past five years, all this time, it's not a function of me just being lazy and not, you know, knocking this thing out. I've been working behind the scenes to figure this out. And I've got it to a place now. I've concluded what it is I want to do and why I want to do it and why it's going to work. And I honestly believe, and this is going to sound really egotistical, but tough shit. This approach to training is going to revolutionize the way people approach endurance events. It's going to revolutionize the way people look at the way they're supposed to train. It's that big. And you guys are going to get the first hand on, well, not even the first hand. You probably know, if you've been paying attention, that I did a program for CrossFit. And mm -hmm. a lot of people got on me and said, dude, what are you, are you going to CrossFit now? Are you getting out of this? You're going to be, <laughs> you know, they're like, you, you, you're too busy trying to define me. You're too busy trying to suggest who Richard Diaz is. You don't realize that for me, all of this is like a Rubik's Cube. How do you figure it out? How do you put the parts together in the right places so that it all fits? And I, I got challenged to produce a workout for CrossFit by some very, very respected people in the sport and wrote this program. And again, because you're not in that world, you don't know, but I have a program that's been on the market for, uh, I think we released it July 1st. So it's been out for a couple months now. And there are probably a thousand people that purchased that program that are out there in the world that I don't know that have been doing this program. And I have since been getting feedback from people that have been doing it and they are blown away at the progress they're getting in, in highly intensity, excuse me, a highly intensive sport like CrossFit. They're finding mm -hmm. that their endurance and their, I call it winning the battle with fatigue. They've actually learned to get through this fatigue and produce more work for their lifts and dropping the time to complete efforts. And 
the, the the interesting thing about it was it was never set out to be a design for CrossFit. It was designed for endurance athletes, for running. And so it proved to me how effective it is in that high-intensity environment. You guys are going to find out how effective it can actually be with endurance. And you guys are going to get uh, – the workouts are already posted for the next three weeks uh, that you haven't seen that doesn't start till till October 19th. I'm done ranting about that. <laughs> no, I was going to say one one thing you just said, you know, resistance to fatigue. Um, I took that with me out there too. You know, like I just have to stay ahead of that. So taking that with me was extremely helpful. And, and also in the periodization of your workouts and the progress, progression, you know, I can speak to there were weeks when I was like, oh, my God. Like, what is he, do- <laughs> what is he doing to us? I need a rest day. And then sure enough, the next week would be a little bit lighter and you just start to be able to do the work better. So, um, it's really cool. I, I'm a, I'm obviously a fan. I am proof that it works. You know, I, I, I'm still in shock. I just, I just really am. Um, uh, I really am. And I'm even more stoked that I'm, I'm not crippled at all. I mean, when I ran that road marathon last year, I mean, I, I took the elevator at work. I mean, I, I just, I couldn't function and, you know, I haven't ran yet, but not because I can, I'm just, I just haven't. And, um, I actually, I'm curious. So my feet and legs swelled up. What is that about? It's pretty much gone now, but I would say the couple days after my, my, I had like little cankles and my pants were tight. I was like, what is this? And then I went away. Well, what is that? It's inflammation, edema. You just, you know, you went through all that effort and your body was, I mean, realize that the microtrauma that it goes on when you're in that type of challenge, you, you have damage. And, and the way your body responds yeah. to that is it, it tends to, to, to produce a lot of edema and you, you inflame. I, that's why I'm such a big fan of doing the flossing. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I've been complaining about that to people forever. And people think, oh, this is kind of hocus pocus. But believe me, it really does help a lot to pull that inflammation out of the joints and and good after that. Plus, you have to consider, too, that I don't know how much after the fact, but flying across country Mm. and changes in elevation and all this kind of stuff, you just... Mm. By the way, I have a pair of socks, compression socks I got from Two Times You. They're actually flight socks. Whenever I fly cross country, I put those on before I fly, and uh, that really helps a lot. It keeps you from getting that pooling, because flying after an event like that, you you blow up. You really do. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was on a plane for like eight hours or something. So what have you? I mean, I haven't asked you this, but I'm going to ask you now. Have you got something on your on your hit list for the coming year? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Well, I mean, this is my mom, which is awesome. Yeah, no, I, um, there's a 50 K just a regular trail race in March that I uh, thought would be a great way to just start, especially at the end of the program. I know there's the New Jersey ultra, which hand just totally tore me up. That was my first beast ever. And of course I went in running like five miles a week and just got pulverized. Um, but I'm, I've been encouraged to show up again and, and that it's a nice event. So I'm thinking about those two and then kind of looking at the the schedule, but I don't know. I really enjoyed, believe it or not, being out there for that long. I'm I'm not a a sprinter. So the longer events give me the 
time to warm up and keep going and I can keep going. So I feel like it just felt right. I felt like I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. Very cool. Well, I, I'm proud of you. I thought you did an amazing job. Thank you. Quite frankly, I'm proud of most of the people that participated in my program because they all did pretty well. Yeah, you you had some rock stars. For yeah, sure. well, uh, I, I I hate that term. You know, I don't know why, but I do. I think you know why, but I I won't go there. <laughs> um, but anyway, I I you know, I mean, I could start naming people off and their accomplishments, but it's it's a long list. I mean, there's a lot of people that went up there on the mountain, surprised themselves. And, you know, stepped up and, and took it and, and really did a great job. I think that they owe it to the fact that they trusted a process, put themselves through a program, as opposed to just randomly going out there and training because they're doing what their friend is doing on Tuesday or, hey, come on, do this with me on Wednesday. You know, and it's like, <laughs> that's not how to prepare for an event. You know, you got to stay within no. your own. You have to stick to your guns and put in the work and when I write program, it's not the study of one. I'm looking at the way people respond to work. You guys probably don't know or maybe not even appreciate the fact that because I'm collecting all the data, when you do the workouts, I see what it costs you to do what you're doing. So collectively, mm -hmm. I can get a sense of whether you need more, you need less, it's working, it's not working. You know, I, I didn't have the time or, or really the inclination to go through with everybody. I mean, you got 45 people in a program, you can't call everybody up on the phone and say, hey, by the way, this is how you do it. I'd, I'd be on the phone all day. I mean, on top of the fact that I'm on the phone all day anyway. Right. But uh, cool. I, I'm, I'm very pleased that you succeeded. I wanted you on this show because I think it's inspirational for people to hear that these successes are not reserved for, for these fleet of foot, lean little racehorses, <laughs> that regular people that put in the work can achieve greatness it can achieve greatness yeah and I, I would have to say running 30 miles on a mountain under those conditions under those many obstacles is is a great achievement it's not just uh yeah i did this marathon last no you took an ass whipping and came back ticking <laughs> so i will say it did take three hours to stop shaking so i i guess i was cold but i just didn't tap into it until i crossed the finish line Right. And then it was time to tap into reality. But yeah, thank you. It, it was it was an amazing weekend. Well, as of this time, I'm gonna podcast is gonna be posted tomorrow. Today okay. is the third. That means that it'll be up for people to hear this on the fourth. And if you're listening to this between the fourth and the seventh, there are actually three days in which. If you're interested, you have an opportunity to sign up for this training program. It's a 30, 40, and 50K off-season running program. And uh, if you do this program, come next year, you're going to be ready for just about anything. But come the 7th, I'm shutting it down regardless of how many people sign up for it. Because I need a couple of days to get people indoctrinated, get them tuned up. Uh, so to find information about that, you would go to DiazHumanPerformance.com. You'll see that there's a little icon on that page that says 304050 Crush the Run Program 3. You just click on that and you can register. And if you decide you need to send me an email to ask questions about it, you can. But um, if you call me on the 8th or the 9th, I'm going to apologize to you for not having jumped on this sooner. 
Last little bit is that this clinic is coming up October 19th. Oh, no, excuse me. It's next week, the 11th. And that's sold out. So don't call me wanting to know if you can get in my clinic in October. It's sold out. There is a clinic in January. And then I think there's another one scheduled for July, June or July next year. I might, I might, maybe go to Boston. You know that song, Please Come to Boston? <laughs> no, you don't remember that song. You're not I old, don't. You're not old I'm enough. sorry. But um, there, I've been at, having people ask me to come to Boston, and if I do that, I might do it in the spring. I'm going to need a lot of people very, very enthusiastic to get me to go to the East Coast again. Done it a lot. Oh, totally, Co. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, I've done it a lot, so um, yeah, I'm almost over it. But, you know, the unfortunate end of it is that I really enjoy the people out there. There's so many friends that I've made out on the East Coast. I just feel like I'm almost letting them down by not showing up again. That's really part of it because honestly, I don't need to go anywhere. I'm doing fine just staying home right here. But God, just I'm, I feel like I, I just need to do it. And so after telling everybody I'm never going on the road again, here I'm already thinking about it. And it's only been about a year since I said it last. Well, we appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you, Allison. And again, congratulations for your effort. Did you get your check thank from you. them yet? No, nor my medal, <laughs> but it's coming. Yeah, it'll, about another year from now, you'll get it. <laughs> They're on top of it. It's fine. Yeah. Would you pay yeah. 300 to get to, 300 to make five? I think, yes. You pay, well, yeah, and then you add in expenses. all the other stuff, but yeah. who's counting? So, so you're only upside down by about $1,000 to go. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, next year, hopefully, they'll quadruple the winnings for that, that event. Well, actually, if they do it in Dubai, like I heard they might, in which case, oh, wow. yeah, there'll probably be a, a quarter of a million dollars on it. So There we uh, go. Anyway, thank you so much. Thank you, and, sir. And I appreciate you coming on to this program to share your experience with folks. Absolutely. Thank you. Take care. Well, friends, it's time to bring another show to a close. Be sure and tune in to us next week. We've got a lot of great content in store for you. I want you to tell your friends to check us out. You can always find us on Facebook. Simply go search the Natural Running Network. Drop us a message. I'd love to learn more about you and the things you do. And until then, you have an amazing day.